You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Wednesday, December 13, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. I got my main man, Justin Jones, right there on the other side. Of the glass, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. That's the number if you want to get involved in the program. And uh, back in studio today, I've been uh, uh, mobile the last couple of days. Did the show, but uh, be good to be back in the studio and have Justin over there with his smiling mug. Uh, Justin's Justin's breaking. I hadn't even noticed it uh, last week, and uh, now it's just really hit me. You're breaking out the, the winter beard here. I'm going full Santa Claus. Over so are here. you? Are you gonna? Are you gonna tr- keep it trimmed, or are you gonna let it go long? I don't know. I'm just being lazy. I did. I did trim it up. At least shape okay. it up a little bit. I had a had to look somewhat presentable yeah. for a wedding. A That's what I was gonna ago. say. Are you gonna do a normal beard, or are you gonna do a Fowler beard? <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I ma- yeah, maybe I go matching with uh, with Ryan. We'll see. All right. Well, good to be back in studio this morning. And uh, we got a good show on tap already down here for you in just a second. First, I need to tell you, though, as always, this hour of the Gary Harris Show is brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. And, uh, man, alive, they've got uh, so much going on at the Credit Union, including a very merry giveaway it's our very merry giveaway. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win. The holidays are a festive time, and Alabama Credit Union wants them to feel even merrier with a very merry giveaway beginning today through December 15th. We're giving our members the chance to win some amazing prizes, including a message gun, a Dyson hairdryer, and an Apple AirPad, AirPod Max. At no time will Alabama Credit Union ask for participants' personal or financial information. And so all it is is going to the website and looking for the very merry giveaway and uh, clicking on to instant or Instagram, following the credit union on Instagram. And then you have an opportunity to win three days beginning today through Friday, a day one, day two and day three winner. It's a very merry giveaway from Alabama Credit Union. Find out more at alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, the lineup for today, we're going to have the Alabama football recruiting report with uh, Joseph Hastings, pinch hitting for Andrew Bone. Uh, Joseph Hastings, recruiting uh, analyst for Bama Online, part of the On3 Sports Network. He'll have all the Alabama football recruiting information, and there's a lot of it happening right now, including, of course, Ryan Williams reclassifying to 2024. What does that mean for Ryan Williams? Obviously, he's going to play college football this ne- this uh, coming season. And will he play it at Alabama where he's committed or will he wind up somewhere else? We'll have the latest on Ryan Williams and the rest of the Bama football recruiting buzz with Joseph Hastings at 930. Then at 1030, Tony Suglas from uh, the Bama rival site. And, of course, Tony, a longtime uh, Bama beat reporter for different outlets and uh, a guy that uh, does a great job of covering Alabama. Of course, now he's, as I said, part of the uh, Alabama Rivals site, and uh, he does a a great job there at Tide Illustrated. So we will have him on at um, 1030 uh, this morning, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with Tony. Also, as I said, your phone calls are welcome on the First Domain Condos hotline in the first hour of the Krispy Kreme 
Donuts Hotline in the second hour. We'd love to hear from you at 205-342-9904. All right, since I'm back in studio this morning, Justin, let's go ahead and hit them up with some uh, Wednesday morning headlines here on the Gary Harris Show. A lot of high school football coaching news on the docket uh, on Tuesday, including a story that I uh, had on WVA 23 last night. Brookwood High School is in the market for a new head football coach. Mike Bramlett informing me recently that he will not return to Brookwood in the fall. Coach said that he was called in following the season and informed by school principal Kelly Hubbard that he was not being retained as the head football coach. Coach Bramlett spent five seasons as the head coach of the Panthers, posting a record of 12 and 38. But, of course, um, you know, it's been tough to win at Brookwood for a lot of people. Last season, or I guess I should say 2022, they went four and six and very, very close to making the playoffs. They had another game or two go their way and he helped oversee the $19 million, uh, new, brand new Billy Joe Young field and, um, did a lot of good things for the program, I thought, and produced uh, division one offensive line prospect William Sanders, who is set to sign later this month with the Alabama Crimson Tide. In fact, a week from today. Coach Bramlett told me that he is uh, hopeful to remain in coaching but doesn't have anything lined up yet. Brookwood went 1-9 in 2023. And Hoover High School is seeking a new head football coach or will be soon as uh, Wade Waltrip only lasted two years there at Hoover. He uh, reportedly, uh, according to the Hoover Sun, submitted his resignation yesterday morning. They were 5-7 and seven this past year but did advance the second round of the class 7-8 playoffs. And then in 2022, uh, the Bucks went 11-2, and two, won the Region 3 championship and a trip to the semifinals in Class 7-A. Overall, his record is 116-84 with uh, 18 years of coaching with stops at Chelsea, James Clemens, Florence, and Hoover. Hoover has won 11 state championships since 2000 but has not reached the state championship game since 2017 when they won their last state championship. So high standards there at Hoover. Thompson has kind of, uh, I guess, become the program, even though they lost to Central Phoenix City this year. But Thompson has kind of become the program in Class 7A. Hoover looking to get back there. will uh, try with a new coach. And Calera High School officially announced Scott Riles as uh, their head coach yesterday. He comes over from Baldwin County, where he went 14 and 27 in four seasons in Class 6A Region 1. He did win a state championship at Elba, 15 and 0 in Class 2A back in 2000. And twelve. So, you know, as the uh, as the uh, will turns, uh, you know, in coaching, not just at the NFL and the college level, but we're seeing this now in the last I don't know ten or fifteen years, Justin. The kind of pressure there is to win in high school as well. Not that there always hasn't been pressure, but now these these high level high schools, man, they don't have a lot of patience either. I mean, Wade Walter got two years. He made the playoffs both years, won one region championship, but, um, you know, he resigned, but I'm sure that's one of those deals where, you know, it's, uh, mutually agreed that it's time <clears throat> to make a change. In the portal news uh, of the day, do transfer quarterback uh, Riley Leonard announced on social media on Tuesday he's committing to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Riley will be able to play immediately in what will be his final year of eligibility. He's one of the top, uh, transfer quarterbacks in the portal and uh, had back-to-back strong seasons at Duke. He played high school football down at Fairhope High School in the Mobile area. High school basketball, of course, they've been they've been put, getting a lot of games in um, Justin because of the holiday break that's coming up. So last night we had Northridge, Barry Sanderson's team hosting Class 7A Chelsea. Of course, Northridge top-ranked in Class 6A. 
And how about this one? I don't know how much Barry talked about it, if at all, this morning. <clears throat> they trailed by a nine with a minute 30 remaining in the game. But forced overtime... And uh, Barry actually told me that kid from Chelsea hit a three-pointer that would have probably won the game, but the coach had called timeout right before he shot it. But uh, Northridge comes back and wins it in OT, 51-47. to They've lost just one game this season. What a game up in uh, Northport last night. County High recently paid, played Paul Bryant and got stung. I mean, got whipped, got blown out. Last night, though, in Northport, it was County High in double overtime, beating the Stampede 71 to 69. How about that? That is a, uh, that's a big, big win for Tuscaloosa County High School. On the national scene in the NBA, Draymond Green at it again. Um, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, the guy's a good player. I mean, his teammates, uh, love him. I, you know, at least that's what they say. But, I mean, he's just, at some point, it's just kind of like a clown show. I mean, he just gets ejected. He, Jusof Nurjic, he hit in the head last night in a spinning kind of helicopter move that he claimed he was just trying to spin away from him. But it was pretty good, pretty good pop. Um, in this case, he did put out a... Uh, not a statement, but he met with the media and Green said, I'm not one to apologize for things I mean to do, but I do apologize to Joseph because I didn't intend to hit him. I sell calls with my arms, so I was selling the call and I swung and unfortunately I hit him. And, um, but with his history, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Justin that another sus- suspension could be forthcoming. I mean, it's just, you, you can't, when you've got a history like he's got, I don't think they're going to buy the it was an accident excuse. Do you? No, I don't think they're going to buy it. And it's the third ejection in in this season so far. He ties the record for ejections in a regular season. And like you said, it's history. I think he's already served a five-game suspension this season. And we might see another one coming up just as bad. Or or maybe, I'm thinking maybe three games or, or one at least. You know, and for the for the Warriors, I mean, you're, you know, you're trying to put together a, a, a good season, and um, that was a big game last night against the Suns, and he gets ejected, one of your best players, and you lose a three point game. I'm watching the video right now. I mean, he he welled at him, one nineteen to one sixteen as the Suns took down the uh, took down the Warriors, and again, just uh, and did you did you see? I think I saw this on social media. Now I'm I'm having a hard time following this one. The Lakers are going to hang a banner for that in-season tournament? I didn't see that, no. All right, well, I just saw it in passing, so maybe it's one of those. But, no, I thought I saw on Twitter that, uh, I mean, it, they did win the in-season tournament, but I don't know, hanging a uh, – I don't know that uh, – hang on a second here. I'm always multitasking. People just text me during my show. I'm just available just to talk, uh, you know. I'm on the radio 9-11 every day, folks. Sometimes it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to have, have a conversation when I'm on the radio. But, um, yeah, that's what I saw anyway. And of course, now the big news is that uh, LeBron might be in Auburn this weekend to watch Bronny play as USC plays the Auburn Tigers. Wouldn't that be something? And, uh, that'd be quite a, quite a stir. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing the Lakers are hanging a banner. Oh, they are. So yeah, that is, it's going to stay up there with all the, uh, champions. See, when you're, when you're the Los Angeles Lakers. And you're about winning world championships. Some little play-in tournament. That I still don't really understand even how it worked. Um, 
I, I don't I don't get that one. But I guess that's the world we live in now, man. You hang up you hang a banner anytime you get a chance to claim a, a championship in, in something. FSU may be taking notes. We'll oh, I'm see. sure they're I'm sure they're going to you know, come up with something down there. And uh, speaking of the Lakers, they lose last night at Dallas, 127 to 125. Bama football um, going to be opening up uh, Rose Bowl practices this weekend. And then next week, uh, we will be uh, getting an opportunity to hear from Coach Saban and the players. So the uh, players have had a nice little break following the SEC championship game. They've been able to focus on finals and conditioning, and, and they've been working out, don't get me wrong. But as far as football practice and games are concerned, they've had a nice little nice little break. But uh, the two-week break will be coming to an end this, uh, this weekend. They're going to be getting back to work and getting ready for the most important game. They've all been important down the stretch. I mean, the Iron Bowl, you know, without that win, the Iron Bowl, you don't have a chance to be in the playoff. Um, you still had a chance to win the SEC championship. But without that win in the SEC championship, you don't have a chance to be in the playoff. Then you get in the playoff with controversy because Florida State didn't make it in. And now you're wanting to close it out and win the uh, win the national championship, but you can't get to the national championship game unless you beat Michigan in the CFP semifinal at the Rose Bowl. So that's what happens um, when you have a, a great season. Alabama's had a lot of them. Every game is big, and they just keep getting bigger, <laughs> you know, up until you hope you're playing in Houston on the eighth uh, of January for the whole for the whole shebang. And uh, Alabama's two wins away from a Nick Saban. Seventh national title at Alabama, of course, which would um, break his tie with Coach Bryant. Of course, he's already won seven overall, which is one more than Coach Bryant won. Coach Bryant won six all at Alabama. Nick Saban won one at LSU. And if he wins this one this year, that's eight total, seven at Alabama. And the legacy just keeps on adding to uh, what it's going to be when Nick Saban steps away from Alabama football. But Tide getting back to work this weekend. All right, that's going to do it for the headlines. And it's uh, 9.15 here. Love to hear from you in the next segment. we got the Bama Football Recruiting Report with Joseph Hastings coming up at 9.30. Your phone calls, phone calls, as I said, are welcome on the First Domain Condominiums hotline. 205-342-9904 is the number. That's 205 205- Three four two Hey, I want to continue to remind you about the brand new cardio equipment that's been installed since last month over at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Individual TV screens, on-demand fitness programming, streaming and Bluetooth capability. YMCA is located at 2313th Street. I've been a member since uh, well over 20 years. Love for you to join me at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Find out more at ymcatuscaloosa.org. We'll be back after this. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Koneka Sausage, a true southern flavor since 1947, and the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Get some Koneka Sausage now at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Thursday's edition of Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, we'll be joined by CTSN basketball color analyst Brian Passink. Well, I mean, this team does have depth, and, you know, they've they've needed it um, with, you know, a couple guys, the the starting centers in foul trouble. You had um, you had Mohamed Wagi and, and, of course, Nick Pringle. Both of those guys were in foul trouble all game long and uh, ended up fouling out. Jaron Stevenson uh, is, is a player that 
I didn't have his best game, but uh, he's a freshman that's going to get better and better as the year goes on. I'll have more in a moment. Favorite jeans, favorite shirt. Guy can make a sausage and I'm firing it up. Yeah, everybody knows how to get my grill on. You can smell that flavor up and down the road. It's a little taste of heaven everybody loves. It's how I get my grill on. Kanaka sausage. It's just a little taste of heaven. Here's more from Brian Passink. Offensively, Alabama uh, has been incredible, led by Mark Sears, of course, coming off a 35-point performance against Purdue. Number one uh, offensive efficiency team in the country is Alabama right now, but 87th in defense. Uh, so that is a number that needs to be improved. I believe it will be, but they will be tested against one of the best offensive teams in the country in Creighton. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Hey, Bama fans, there's nothing better than... Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny weather continues today. Tuscaloosa's high at 60. Fair tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow and Friday, partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. Saturday, increasingly cloudy with a high at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, it's 920. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're going to jump out on the first domain condominium is Hotline and welcome in Steve to start us off this morning. Good morning, Steve. Morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Gary, I know you probably don't know, but you probably have as much knowledge as anybody. Uh, does it seem to you that these high school football coaches are moving around more than? Oh, absolutely. They used to? Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, it's it's oh. it's um, it's something that um, really we haven't seen this type of movement in high school football probably. Um, until maybe the last 10 or 15 years, I would say 15 years or so used to, um, you know, in, in the state of Alabama in particular, when you got a good job, you know, this Steve, not occasionally high school coaches would move, but a lot of times they would stay at schools, you know, 20, 25, 30, 35 years. And, uh, now, uh, that's harder to do. And, and there's, like I said, there's pressure to win at the high school level, unlike the pressure to win. It, you, you know, it's, it's, it's ramped up. It's, it's just ramped up. You know, there was a time when, uh, if you were, if you had a good high school job, yeah, they wanted to, people wanted to win. The communities wanted to win. But if you were a good coach and a good teacher and the community was happy with you and you, uh, you know, you won some playoff games occasionally, you know, even if you had a couple seasons where you went, you know, four and six and three and seven, it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, but now, um, you know, the pressure to win is there. Coaches are, are, you know, these, these, uh, packages that they put together in terms of the pay, in terms of the supplements, <clears throat> in terms of the community coming together 
and pooling money. So a coach might, you know, make, you know, his standard salary with the school system. But then with all the perks and all the money that he gets, you know, through the booster club and things like that, these guys are making, you know, a lot of cases they're making, you know, well over six figures. I mean, well into six figures. So yeah, there's a lot of movement, Steve. Coaches are looking to move. Schools, systems are looking to, um, move on from coaches when they don't live up to the expectations. It's all, it's getting a lot like college football. It really is. Well, I can remember, uh, I know at Hope, when I went to Hope, Woody Clements taught driver's ed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, taught, taught PE, but I can remember when Walden Tucker left Gordo, there was a big uproar, and he went to play it. That's right. There was a there was a big banker up there that lured him, you know, bought him a house, and he didn't even have to teach a class. All he did was coach football. And, and now that's, he, that, he was kind of the forerunner of that, Steve. We're getting a lot of that now. You know, now, now it's, uh, a lot of these head coaches, they get to focus on just being a football coach. And you're right. All of them used to teach back in the day. That was a big part of it. I saw Gulf Shores facilities and Thompson. It's almost like <laughs> college here. The facilities. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Some of these, 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 some of these high schools have the facilities that are better than some of the small colleges. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You're right. Thompson and, and a lot of these schools that are, you know, down on the Gulf Coast now, it's unbelievable what they're doing in terms of facilities. And as I said, I, I, you know, on the show, I don't know if you heard me say this several times, we're headed toward NIL, high school NIL. We're headed toward open enrollment. We're headed to, you know, recruiting in high schools. So it's, it's, it's not going to be a lot different than what we're seeing in college football here soon. I, I think they were saying, uh, and I may be wrong, Gary, you can correct me. But I think they said Gulf Shores had five or six ex college coaches on their staff. They do. Gulf they Shores. do. And Court and Mark Huspeth, who's the head coach who coached at, uh, Louisiana and, uh, University of North Alabama. So yeah, man, it's, uh, it's 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 unbelievable. It really is. <laughs> times, times are changing. It's it, it's a different world now. Yep. It's cats out of the cats out of the bag, I guess as they say, or the genie out of the bottle, or however you want to say it. But uh, thanks, Gary. You betcha, you Steve. Got- good to good to hear from you. And uh, you know, a lot going on in terms of the way things are changing in sports. And and Steve's absolutely right. It's um, you know, it's it's one of those things where. Professional sports filters down to college sports in regards to what people want. And now it's filtering down to, um, now it's filtering down to high school. I mean, like I said, I mean, the, it's changing fast. The AHSAA is, you know, I think they're doing all that they can to, um, you know, keep a hold on it and, um, hey, Justin, do me a favor. Find out what channel the SEC network's on and, uh, I think they're doing that SEC football schedule reveal this morning, or I'm seeing some stuff on Twitter about it. But anyway, we'll, um, I know this, that uh, the Alabama football Twitter account is, uh, yeah, they're doing some, uh, well, it's actually going to be tonight. It's going to be tonight. The SEC 2024 schedule football reveal is scheduled for tonight, but I guess a lot of the, you know, games have already I think been... what it was is they revealed something on, like, Good Morning America. I know they revealed the Georgia Times going to be 6.30 on September 28th. Um, okay. Maybe that was just a tease, and they just did that this morning. So, um, yeah, SEC football is scheduled stuff is already now making the rounds on Good Morning America. How about that? Yeah, it sure is. I'm looking at it. That's what it is, yeah. They're going to, they're set the game time. What'd you say? It's going to be 6.30 Central 
Justin, 6.30 Central for the Georgia-Alabama game on September 24th. Or September 28th, I'm sorry. So, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was tonight, but I was just double-checking. Yeah, SEC football schedule reveal for 2024 coming up tonight on the SEC Network. But Georgia and Alabama, good morning, America. Having that story this morning on September 28th, 6.30. Uh, so a nighttime game as the Tide and the Bulldogs We'll get it on after that epic SEC championship game a couple of weeks ago. All right, it's 926 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, we are uh, just kind of getting back in the in the groove from the standpoint that I did the, stu- did the show remotely the last couple of days. But back uh, back in the studio and, and uh, good to have you with us. All right, we're going to get to the break here. When we come back on the other side, we're going to be joined by Joseph Hastings, recruiting analyst for... BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network, as we are going to get the latest recruiting scoop with the Bama Football Recruiting Report. That's coming up right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. So you stay with us. We'll be back with Bama Football Recruiting right after this. It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. The best station in the state breaking down Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Recruiting report and uh, Joseph Hastings from BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network recruiting analyst. Uh, he pops in for Bone sometimes. Uh, Andrew Bone uh, not able to be with us this morning, so thankfully Joseph Hastings is pinch hitting because there's a lot of Bama football recruiting that we want to cover. And uh, signing days a week from today, so uh, had to get uh, had to get Joseph on to talk about it. Hey, good morning, Joseph. How are you? Good morning, Gary. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's a little bit of a busy time during the early signing period coming up, but I'm uh, just pushing through and trying to keep track of all this Alabama recruiting news. Well, there's a lot to keep track of, and that's why I wanted to get you on. Let's start with the with the big news, and that is uh, Ryan Williams, Sarah Land, uh, wide receiver, who was the top prospect out of the state of Alabama for the class of 2025, as expected, reclassified, and he becomes the top prospect in the class of 2024. That's how good this young man is. Uh, he makes that announcement uh, earlier this week. He is now going to sign in February and be on the football field for somebody uh, this coming fall. Now, he is committed to Alabama and has been since October of last year. So let me ask you this. Uh, the reclassification, does that impact his commitment to Alabama at all? How is this going to play out in your mind? I don't think it impacts his commitment to the University of Alabama at all. I mean, Ryan has been committed to the Crimson Tide for over a year now. He's maintained in numerous interviews since then that he's lost in with Alabama. Even in the graphic where it was posted by Andres Hayes Fawcett about his reclassification, it ended with Roll Tide, and that's a direct quote from Ryan Williams. You know, he's, been, he's still committed to Alabama. Obviously, there's the pursuit from other schools, most notably Auburn, but he remains in Alabama's class. 
Uh, I know some, there was some speculation out there that, uh, you know, a flip could have been on the horizon for this announcement. It ended up being the reclassification that we had been anticipating. And, you know, um, I, I don't think it impacts his commitment status at all with Alabama Crimson Tide. And when you look at his uh, his talent level, and in fact, we saw it firsthand here in Tuscaloosa Friday night in the Class 6A state championship game. You got Ryan Williams on one side for Sarah Land. You got Jalen Mbakwe on one side for Clay Chalkwell, not to mention numerous other top flight athletes. But watching those two guys play in a memorable state championship game, 31-28 won by uh, Clay Chalkwell. And you're thinking, if you're an Alabama fan, wow, you're going to have Ryan Williams on offense. You're going to have Mbakwe on defense. You're going to have both of them impacting the kicking game. And you could, you know, Ben Bakwe is the kind of player that you could see, even though he's probably going to play corner uh, with his skill set. They haven't done this very often at Alabama, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's, you know, package for him to play a little bit of offense too. But these two guys, if they wind up both playing here next fall in Tuscaloosa for the University of Alabama as they are committed to the Crimson Tide, wow, Joseph, talk about these two guys as potential teammates. They are both electric. I think what's going to be fun to see, and we didn't really get to see too much of it uh, during the state championship game, um, you know, if, if at all was them matched up one-on-one against each other, you know, every single day in practice, you're going to see them competing against each other and, and, and working with each other. We know that these two are friends. You know, they met up with each other after uh, the state title game. It was all smiles. And, um, you know, J- Jalen Jalen went uh, hopped on Ryan's Instagram live the next day when Ryan was visiting University of Alabama and said that he's you know he's not flipping to Auburn and you know he, he he's he, they're very close with one another so yeah no it's it's very exciting to think about the potential of Alabama's defensive backs room and and wide receivers room with those two leading the way for the next three to four years um you know especially with just the talent level and um you know how electric they are at the high school level Jalen Bakway. I mean, just, just talk about a performance, being able to do that as, you know, a, a traditional cornerback playing quarterback for the entire season, putting his team on his back and, um, you know, leading them to another state title. And then Ryan Williams um, in back-to-back state championship games, uh, putting up over 700 or 800 yards total, like I believe eight combined touchdowns. And um, he had 11 receptions for 232 yards last week. It's just – it's a- absolutely – I don't think enough words can. There's enough words in the English dictionary to um, to express just how special those two um, are on the football field, and I think Alabama fans should be very excited about their potential. Absolutely. Uh, one final thought on Williams, and I'm, I agree with you. I think that uh, you know he's he's solid to Alabama, but there is no doubt that uh, with him not signing until February, that schools are going to continue to pursue him, particularly Auburn, who sees him as a guy that, you know, uh, obviously would be a huge, huge hit for them. And his dad did play at Auburn. Um, so I guess that's the one downside of declassifying and, and having to wait until February is it's two more months of, uh, or nearly two more months of intense recruiting pressure for Williams. I think also on the flip side, if he had stayed in the 2025 class, that's, you know, an additional uh, 12 more months uh, of recruiting um, for, for Auburn and, you know, other schools trying to get Williams on campus. I mean, you look back at his season schedule, it was six trips to Tuscaloosa. It was three to Auburn. And, and you know, even during the Iron Bowl, yes, that, that technically is a visit to Auburn. But if it had been in Alabama, he would have been at Alabama. Um, you know, it was last year. So, you know, um, but he was cheering for the Crimson Tide during that game. He even said, you know, during the ten, um, during the um, Auburn visit on October 21st, he was watching Alabama's game on Auburn's big screen. So he's, he, even though he's taking visits elsewhere, he's ver- been very locked in with Alabama. 
still in this 2024 class here. Uh, it wasn't a reclassification and a flip or just a flip like some have speculated. So, you know, I, yes, it is going to be an intense two months of recruiting here. Um, you know, especially with the official visits, there's going to be a lot to pay attention to. But I, I think that's more preferable if you're, if you're Alabama than, you know, 12 more months of doing that and 12 more months of uh, relationship building with other staff. Joseph, I find it interesting. I'm looking at the um, on three industry ratings right now, and immediately, like I said, Ryan Williams classified reclassifies to 2024. Uh, but he and Mbakwe both, <laughs> and they are incredible, are not at the top of the list for commits. That's Julian Sane, the quarterback out of Carlsbad, California. And watching Nick Saban work this last week to 10 days on the recruiting trail, I mean, he, he looks like he's 27 instead of 72. But he visited Sane, but uh, we know quarterbacks, how, how valuable they are. But if you're rated ahead of Ryan Williams and Jalen Mbakwe, that that that's an intention getter for me. I don't care what position you play. Tell us more about the Crimson Tide's twenty twenty four quarterback commit and why he is rated as highly as he is, five star and rated ahead in the industry rating by on three ahead of Williams and Mbakwe. I know you can't see me right now, Gary, but I just got a big smile on my face, you know, talking about Julian every every single time I get to talk about him, it, it it's just great because of the intangibles really that you gotta start off with. You know, I spoke with with Brian yesterday, I also spoke with Rico Scott recently, another Alabama commitment. I've spoken with Amari Jefferson in the past, and they've all raved about Julian's leadership, you know, his, his ability to um, to hold people together, be that jail for uh, for the team and the class. And, you know, they're all looking forward to playing with him at the next level. And, you know, I got to see him a couple of times in person this year at the Elite 11 and also OT7 Nationals in California and then also at Battle Miami uh, in South Florida earlier this year. And, you know, just every single time I got to see him, the one thing that really stood out is the, uh, the word that stood out was polish. You know, he's just very polished, very technically sound. You know, each each throw looks exactly the same as the previous one. Very accurate, pinpoint accuracy. Um, you know, he, he's somebody that working with teammates that he really didn't get to practice with that much because they were all scattered around the country in 7-on-7. Seven he was kind of the whole, able to hold them together and make sure that they were in the right spots and not get too upset when someone ran the ran a bad route. Um, yeah, no, Julian is very, very special. He committed to Alabama in November 2022, hasn't looked back, hasn't taken visits elsewhere, um, you know, and, and he just remained very locked in with, with Alabama throughout. A little bit similar to, to Jalen Bakwe. I know he took an official visit to Auburn, but uh, he's been very solid with Alabama since, since joining in July 2022. So I, I just think if, if you're the Crimson Tide, you just couldn't really couldn't be happier with the, those three five-star prospects that you have in the fold right now. And, um, you know, everyone else in this 2024 class, it's a really special class. All right, 20, 20, uh, 21 commits in the class of 2024. Uh, Joseph, I want to get to who's still out there that Alabama's pursuing. And of course, we know the portal has its own, has its own, you know, uh, deal. And there's guys in the portal that Alabama's certainly going to take a look at. But let's focus on, uh, this signing day coming up a week from Wednesday in regards to high school prospects that are still out there. I want to start with, uh, the linebacker out of Tupelo, Mississippi, that's committed to Texas A&M. But Tristan Jernigan was in over the weekend. Uh, we saw him playing the piano at the Saban's home. Um, you know, a really good football player, athletic linebacker that's outstanding student. And it looks as though Alabama's making a serious push for Tristan Jernigan. Have you got an update there? Yeah, so we actually got to speak with Jernigan after his official visit to Alabama. And, he, you know, he talked about playing the piano. He's been playing the piano since he was nine years old. Thought that was a 
really cool experience with Coach Saban. Enjoyed, uh, you know, honestly, just the chill atmosphere at Alabama this past weekend. You know, there was no practices or anything like that. And, you know, obviously no game preparation um, in, in terms of an immediate game coming up. So it, it was just really about spending time with the coaches. Saban, Robert Bala, who would be his position coach if he chooses Alabama, really enjoyed his time with him um, and being able to break down concepts in Alabama's defensive scheme and kind of pick his brain a little bit. And, you know, Alabama's just standing out to him because of the standard that they have there. That's kind of a theme that you're hearing with some of these other 2024 targets that Alabama's in pursuit of. Um, you know, Jernigan likes that standard, likes the accountability at Alabama, um, you know, the, just the preparation, everything that goes into it. And, you know, he, he's somebody that uh, visited earlier this season for the Texas game, also camped back during the summer. So he's frequently been to Alabama. And it's also important to note that he's originally from Florence, spent the first two years of his life there and um, also spent his, spent his freshman year there. So there's a connection to Alabama, um, you know, obviously. So, it, you know, definitely want to pay attention to. He does have an official visit to Texas A&M coming up this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. Um, obviously, uh, he wants to meet Mike Elko and, and the staff there at, at A&M and, you know, see if he wants to keep his commitment or not. He's going to be signing the final day of early signing period, which is an interesting note. So it's going to be Friday, December 22nd, uh, whereas most will be signing on Wednesday, December 20th. So definitely want to pay attention to. Yeah, good information there. Of course, Jordan Seaton, the top-rated offensive tackle out of IMG Academy in Florida. Um Threw people a little bit of a curveball when he committed to Colorado, but Alabama has quickly uh, focused on Favor Edwin, a guy that it, it feel, you know feels like talking to some people here that uh, Eric Wolford really likes this six eight two hundred ninety pound uh, offensive tackle out of McDonough, Georgia, a three star, a little you know a little bit uh, raw, got to be developed, but that's what you do with offensive linemen. But Ben, the tools are there when you're talking six eight two ninety, long armed, athletic, and uh, Alabama uh, has put in a push there. Of course, Auburn's been involved with him for a long time. What's the latest on Favor Edwin? Yeah, so originally from Nigeria, this was actually uh, Favor Edwin's first year playing uh, live action in high school football uh, his senior season. So definitely a raw prospect, definitely somebody that, um, you know, is going to have to continue to refine his tools and, and, and work on the skill set. But you mentioned just the, um, the you know, the, the physical tools are there. Um, you know, the, the upside is absolutely there, and that's what Coach Wolf and company likes. And, you know, he isn't somebody who came necessarily out of the blue. He got... He camped at Alabama in June, received an offer, returned for the Champions Cookout in late July, and also attended the, the Texas game as well. So he, he's been a little bit of a frequent visitor on campus and then returned for his official visit this past weekend and absolutely raved about his time with, with Alabama, you know, Nick Saban and Eric Wolford in particular, once again praising the standard there at Bama. Just spoke very, very highly of the Crimson Tide, and I would highly encourage everyone to check out my interview with him on BamOnline.com just to see, you know, just a little bit more in-depth about his experience there in Tuscaloosa. But he's down to a final three of Alabama, Auburn, Florida. Um, You know, those schools will will be seeing him uh, today, um, you know, at his school. So, you know, definitely one that Alabama fans are paying attention to, of course, and, you know, who, who could be a potential candidate to join this 2024 class. All right, let's get to a guy that, that we feel like it's just a matter of time before he commits, uh, but he may not commit. He may just sign with Bama on, on next Wednesday, and that's Steve Mbuomoa. I just call him Steve M., the, the Canadian four-star defensive end and um, a guy that Alabama's been involved with for a long time. I may be shocked if he signs with anybody else, but yet uh, still no commitment from him. So uh, what's your expectation there? 
Yeah, so Andrew Bone got to speak with Steve uh, the other day after his official visit to Alabama. He rated the visit a 10 out of 10. Uh, just really enjoyed his time, um, you know, with Alabama staff. And, you know, he had been there for a game day back uh, during the Tennessee game. And, you know, that, that, that made a strong impression on him as it was his first college game day. Um, you know, he, he continued to build on his relationships with the staff and got to bring his family down. So, um, yeah, he, he really liked it, got, got some more time around Freddie Roach. And, and he's going to be taking an official visit to Mississippi State this, this upcoming weekend. But, you know, Alabama's definitely put themselves in a good position here and just in terms of the relationships that they built with him and, um, you know, the opportunity that he sees there at Bama. So, um, yeah, Steve is definitely one of those, you know, fan favorites um, when talking about 2024 prospects just because, um, you know, it's, it's great. You know, when you talk about Alabama's recruiting internationally, um, you know, Steve from Canada and uh, Justin Okunroko from, you know, from Germany and uh, Faber Edwin's based in Georgia now, but, you know, originally from Nigeria, like I mentioned. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it really goes to show just the, the, the brand that Alabama is. Um, and if you recall last year uh, with Olaf Alanine from, from Finland, you know, just continues to show how much of an impact Alabama is able to make internationally as the game continues to grow. Yeah, Joseph, Alabama with 21 commits uh, right now, according to uh, On3, it is the uh, third-rated class. I still think there's a chance, uh, and I'll ask you, uh, what would Alabama have to do? Of course, you've still got February, uh, and if obviously if you you know uh, could ink some guys there potentially as well, including Ryan Williams. But is Alabama in the, in the running at all, uh, possibly still to get the uh, number one overall class for 2024 or the point differential too much what how do you see that now last week it probably seemed like it wouldn't have been possible at all for them to do that they were number four and also just with the lead that georgia had it just seemed like it was going to be insurmountable now in fact they're in the reclassification of ryan williams they moved up from four to three not only that georgia's uh, five-star quarterback commit dylan riola is trending to flip to nebraska so that's how crazy, that's why, you know, when people talk about rankings in June and July, I'm like, just, just wait out. You, know, you never know how the class is going to finish. Not only that, you never know how the rankings are going to be finished. These are not the final rankings. There's still the Under Armour game in Orlando next month. There's still the All-American Bowl in San Antonio um, a few days later. And those in-person evaluations are going to be crucial in terms of evaluating each of these, each of these guys. And, you know, I, I heard a lot of talk about Ryan Williams being rated behind Cam Coleman um, right now, but, you know, you have to factor in both are going to be competing at the Under Armour game in Orlando and going to be having multiple practice le- practices leading up to that. So that could definitely factor in into the final position rankings. Um, absolutely. So um, I'm not going to call my shot yet. I'm not going to say Alabama finishes with the number one class. It's just hard to do, you know, in this mm-hmm. day and age with, you know, with the parody and recruiting because of NIL and, and, and all those other factors. And the last team to do it was Alabama back in, um, I, th- I think they had a four-year stretch, 2011 to 2015, of number one classes. But it hasn't been done back-to-back since then. So it's really hard to, especially with um, how many talented prospects and how deep that 2023 class was. But the fact that Bama's even in a position um, to be, uh, you know, to be the number one class again just speaks volumes about their recruiting efforts and, um, you know, how well-run they are. Joseph, I, I respect on three. I respect all the recruiting services, and I like Cam Coleman. I watched him the other night, uh, last week for uh, Central Phoenix. He's great. But let me tell you something. Gary Harris rankings, Ryan Williams, number one. 
I'm just telling you that right now in class of 2024. Cam Coleman, in, in fact, in my rankings, uh, no, no offense to quarterbacks or anybody else. In my rankings, Ryan Williams is the number one player in the country in the class of 2024. Let me just tell you. That's, that's how, that's how highly I think of Ryan Williams. Just so you'll know. I, 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 I love Ryan Williams. I, I, I think he should, um, be right, right now after the reclassification could have been like right outside that top five for on three. He's number eight. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's tough with Jeremiah Smith just because, you know, uh, the Ohio State commitment. Oh, no, no, I get it. I, yeah. I, yeah. But they're, they're, I think they're neck and neck. Yeah. I, I think they're right there with each other. And honestly, I, I can't wait to see uh, them in the bull setting. I think that's going to be really interesting. And, you know, see how much more Ryan Williams can move up. I mean, the fact that he's even in this discussion at 16 years old. That's right. 16, yeah. Hasn't turned, isn't going to turn 17 until February. The fact that he's in this conversation is just mind blowing. He is very, very special, left a huge impact on uh, not only on Saraland, but the state of Alabama, you know, in terms of his high school career. Um, and you know, I, I'm just very excited to see him at the next level. Yeah, I am too. He's one of, he's one of the best I've ever seen. All right. Uh, great information. We we talked about Jernigan, who's a flip target. Before we wrap this thing up, um, somebody, you know, I mean, you know, the flips are a big part of this. I, I know there are guys maybe that Alabama's working to flip. And are there any prospects that you're worried about flipping from Alabama to somewhere else? Is, and and or, or anybody else that we didn't mention that you think is a, a possibility for next Wednesday? For next Wednesday, you know, m- most of these guys are locked in. They're not taking official visits elsewhere. The, the one name that obviously people will talk about is, is Ryan Williams and then also Jameer Grimsley just because, you know, he took that official visit to Florida this past weekend. Um, you know, I, I still think he's a solid commitment. He said so as much in a recent interview with Bama Online, um, w- which was posted yesterday. So um, I posted on Monday, excuse me. Uh, so, so definitely be sure to check that and see what he had to say. But I, I think the loss of Corey Raymond, the defensive backs coach there for Florida, definitely impacts the Gators' chances mm-hmm. with him. You know, they, they just brought in a new uh, DB's coach, Will Harris. So we'll, we'll obviously continue to monitor that situation. But you know, he's, he's gonna he's gonna figure out things one way or the or the other this weekend. Uh, it's not gonna be a, you know a signing day uh, type of decision. You know, like le- leading up to it, he's gonna figure it out. So. Uh, and I'm also interested to see if anyone else shuts down their recruitment, like comes out and says it's shut down. You know, we saw Caleb Bodum do that last week. Uh, we saw Jeremiah Beeman do that last week as well, I believe, on the same day. So, um, you know, that, that, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, Jameer Grimsley, Ryan Williams, a couple, you know, who are taking visits elsewhere uh, continue to be monitored. All right. Last couple of minutes, uh, Joseph, just kind of a strange question, but I want to get your your response. Um Nick Saban is 72, uh, early in the season after the loss to Texas and that dismal performance at South Florida without Jalen Milrow. There were a lot of people questioning where this program was headed. I know there was a lot of negative recruiting going on in regards to, you know, Alabama's faltering. The run is over. How big of an impact has it had on not just the players that have already committed to Alabama, but players they're recruiting that once again, Nick Saban had the last laugh turning this thing around, you know, rattling off 11 wins in a row. Winning the SEC championship in the college football playoff, how big of an impact has that performance on the field had in regards to what it might have been like if Alabama had a lost three or four games? How big was on-field performance for keeping this class rolling? It's absolutely massive. You know, I've had a couple of, of commits admit to me that you know they they were kind of hearing the noise about you know the fall of Alabama's dynasty, and they were they were questioning after the Texas game, you know, how they would respond. 
Um, but, you know, Alabama responded the way that they did, winning 11 straight games in the SEC championship. And, you know, that that's only continued to reaffirm the commitments of some of these pledges. Um, you know, obviously, you want to be a part of a winning team. You want to be a part of a team that's going in, the, in a positive direction. And, you know, to you know, for Alabama to come out and say, look, we've had three losses in the past two years by a combined, correct me if I'm wrong here, 14 points. Three to Tennessee, one to LSU, 10 to Texas when we were leading going into the fourth quarter. Right. We're still the Alabama. We're, we're still a, a, a great program, and we proved it by winning the SEC championship. We're not number one in the nation, of course, but we go through a gauntlet in the SEC. You know, those are just some of the things that you can continue to pitch the prospects and say, "Look, you, you saw what it was last year. That, that that proves that we're not, you know, like bulletproof or or you know, a, a, for lack of a better phrase, you know, um, you know, per, a perfect team. We need you, um, and, and that that's what commits that I speak with." want to hear they they want to hear that they're needed at Alabama that they're not just you know a cog in in the machine in the dynasty machine so no I I, I think you know the way Alabama's responded this year I think you said it well you know just it it, it it really kind of strengthened those commitments and then also for those targets that Alabama's pursuing you know that they've spoken highly especially in the 2025 class have spoken highly of me about just the direction that Alabama is heading in that they're back on track so yeah no it's it, it, absolutely crucial that Alabama was able to win the SEC championship and be in a position to win the national championship next month. Joseph, you knocked it out of the park today, my friend. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Absolutely. You can go on BamaOnline.com and check out some of our great content, uh, both on the recruiting and team side of things. A lot going on in the week leading up to our early signing period. We're seven days away, so uh, this is the best time to join and then also the college football playoffs next month. So, um, thank you for having me on, Gary. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Joseph. Have a great day, my friend. It's 954. We're going to take a break and come back and wrap up the first hour right after this. Hey, Bama fans, there's nothing better than getting your face. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 956. That's going to wrap it up for the first hour of the program. But we got another hour to go here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's uh, just a better way of banking. Find out more about a very merry giveaway going on today through Friday. Find out the official rules at alabamacu.com. All right, second hour is going to feature Tony Sukalis from... Uh, Tide Illustrated coming up at 10.30. More of your phone calls, more discussion on uh, all the great things going on in sports as we get you ready for Alabama football cranking back up here in a few days for the Rose Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal. All that coming up in hour number two of the Gary Harris Show. You keep it tuned in right here to Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Ready, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. 
Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. Bill Belichick faced questions about his future as Patriots head coach today amid a report that owner Robert Kraft has already decided to move on from him after the season. Belichick, true to himself, answered each one of those questions by saying, quote, getting ready for Kansas City, end quote. In baseball, reports say the Dodgers are engaged with the Rays on a trade that would bring pitcher Tyler Glass now to Los Angeles. In the NBA, the Warriors' Draymond Green could be looking at more discipline from the league office after he hit the Suns' Yusuf Nurkic with a spinning forearm to the head. Green was ejected for the hit. He later said he was trying to sell a foul. Suns got the win 119-116. to Celtics over the Cavs 120 to 113. Boston now matching the Timberwolves for the best record in the league at 17 and 5. And the Mavericks edge the Lakers 117 to 115. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. The future of Kentuck Arts Festival in Northport still clouded. Kentuck Board President Bobby Bragg says that they are still continuing deliberations and are not ready to make an announcement about their future yet. The Tuscaloosa City Council will vote again next week on a request to have the legislature approve a referendum on a request by Tuscaloosa City Schools to raise property taxes. And Alabama U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville continues to oppose sending aid to Ukraine in their fight to stave off Russian aggression. He claims Russia is not a threat to the rest of Europe. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Alabama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app. Tide109.com. I'm Gary Harris. Got Justin Jones with me. And uh, we are ready to talk some more sports in this second hour of the program. Tony Sukulis from Tide Illustrated, part of the Rivals uh, Network, will be with us at 1030, previewing Alabama's practice sessions for the upcoming college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl against top-ranked Michigan on New Year's Day. And so we'll have uh, all that coming up this morning. Hey, I do need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer are dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Listen, if you need personal injury attorneys, I highly recommend 
Paul Patterson and Mike Homer right here with feet on the ground in West Alabama. You can call Paul in Tuscaloosa 205-345-1000. Mike can be reached in Northport 205-759-3939. And remember, the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we are going to get this second hour started off by jumping out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcoming in Lewis, one of our best callers. Hey, Lewis. Well, thank you, Gary. I appreciate that. Hey, there's a show on tonight that your fans of your show would really enjoy, and a lot of them sure are aware of it, but Bart star america's quarterback oh yeah is yeah you're familiar with that yeah it looks like it's gonna really be good about how he ended up at alabama and went on to become a great nfl quarterback so that ought to be really good don't you think absolutely anything with bart star is going to be really good I, I you know i had the opportunity to be around him a little bit um you know time flies but i can remember in the early 2000s um he was he was down here for a golf tournament at the old Capstone Club, which is not even in business anymore out there near Brookwood, and, and played golf. And he came to um, um, Tuscaloosa on several occasions to be around the university and do some things. And I got a chance to, to interview him. And everything that you have ever heard about Bart Starr, Lewis, is true. Uh, class personified. Uh, the thing I, I remarked to people when I first had an opportunity to interview him was he treated everybody the same. And what that means in his case was he treated everybody well. And it didn't matter if you were, uh, you know, the athletic director at Alabama or if you were, you know, the head football coach or if you're a media person or if you were a student, if he had an interaction with you, Bard Starr treated you with respect and kindness. And, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see this Special, not just because of what he accomplished on the football field as one of the greatest championship quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League, but I think it's going to speak to his humanity and the kind of person that he was. And uh, um, yeah, I, I, again, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I knew him very well personally, but the interactions that I had with him, you know, sometimes Lewis in this business, you know, especially as he, when I was younger, you would hear about people and then you would meet them, and it would be a letdown because of. Um, in some cases, how they treated you or, or, you know, it was not a letdown getting to be around Bart Starr. I mean, it lived up to all of the, you, you knew he was genuine. So yeah, I'm anxious to see this tonight. I think it's eight o'clock on the SEC network tonight. America's quarterback, Bart Starr, uh, someone I know pretty well, Keith Denovit is one of the executive producers for it. So yeah, this is going to be high quality television tonight. And I remember this story about, about Bart Starr when he was with the Packers about how hard Lombardi was with him and he said you know he never questioned him much lewis but this was a old nfl films piece he said that uh, lombardi was berating him in front of the in front of his teammates and so he said finally he went into his office and he said coach I, he said let me tell you something he said I, you can you can call me in this office and you can dog me and say anything you want to me and i can take it but he said when you do that in front of the teammates, how do you expect me to lead those men if you're going wow. to talk to me like that in front of them? And he said Lombardi never did it again. So that, but that's, that's how awesome. he handled things. You know, that's the kind of person he was. He, he, you know, he didn't mind the, the verbal tongue lashings. He just wanted it to be in private, but you can't, you can't talk to me like that in front of these guys and then expect me to go out and lead them on the, on the field. How about that? 
that shows you what a leader he was and what insight he had into his teammates' person. That's awesome, you, uh, the personality. It's awesome you got to interview him, Gary. And listen, you know, I'm sure you're aware of this. The first three Super Bowl MVPs were Alabama quarterbacks. That's right. Star, star twice in, in Namath. Yep. Yep. Isn't that something? Yep. We're going to get it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hang up on this, Gary, but we're going to get another one one of these days because we, we're getting these quarterbacks that are. We're going to have another one be a Super Bowl MVP out of Bama, I think. So, well, roll tight, yeah, Gary. You would, you, would have, you would have had one last year if the Eagles had hung on and won that game. <laughs> it would have been Jalen Hurts if they'd have won. So, yeah, you're right. They're, they're turning out enough quarterbacks now. It's a matter of time. Hey, thank you, Lewis. Sure, Gary. Love it. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, great phone call. All right, uh, let's stay out on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Tom. Hey, Tom, I bet you're a Barstar fan. I think we all are. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I had the pleasure of, of meeting Mr. Star at uh, Legion Field one uh, Saturday, and uh, he was so gracious yep. to uh, uh, to me and, and my wife, and uh, we had a nephew with us, and he was just very attentive to us, and uh, so gracious in his uh, conversation, and uh, and of course we told him how much we admired him, of course, and uh, and uh, he he just kind of like all shoves that out of the way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and uh, just a great great gentleman uh, in my opinion, and uh, uh, I look forward to seeing the documentary on. It. Me too. Can't can't wait. I'll, I'll be working, so I'm going to record it uh, tonight and be able to watch it at, at a later date. But yeah, looking looking forward to it. You know, earlier in the uh, show, there was an interesting uh, uh, subject brought up concerning high school coaches and the way they're moving around. And you threw in the part of the equation as uh, you know the salaries mm-hmm. and the supplementary. Uh, pay that they're getting to come to various schools and uh, stuff like that. And uh, it made me think about, uh, oh, about 15 years ago, uh, I read an article about uh, uh, teams that compete, Little League baseball teams that compete for the uh, Little League World Series and uh, uh, how how some of these uh, California teams and other teams, Texas, was in on it too, but you know, the length that they went to secure what uh, the parents thought were the best coaches to give their kids a chance to make it to the Little League World Series and win it. And uh, and the salaries that they were kicking around in that article, I thought, were outlandish. And, and that, that was their only job. Uh, they didn't teach school. They didn't coach high school or anything like that. All they did was prepare for uh, Little League season and playoff mm-hmm. and it was it was vicious i mean vicious mm-hmm. what these parents were willing to do uh to secure uh the success of their kids team yes yeah. i mean the one thing that stood out to me was that uh one team that went out where did they have as it uh cooperstown you're talking uh, about the they, uh the little league world series yeah, no, it's Pennsylvania. Where Pennsylvania, is yeah, it's up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I tell you how intense these parents were. They chartered a seven fifty seven uh, for that team uh, to fly to the competition uh, in Pennsylvania from California. 
And I thought, you know, look at here now. These people mean business yeah, with this it's, stuff. It's, it's, sad. it's sad, really. Yeah, Literally World Series is in Williamsport every year, but it's it's sad, Tom. And, and I saw a documentary, uh, or not documentary, but a piece on one of those, you know, 30 our, our, our ESPN news magazine shows a few years ago down in South Florida at the uh, Pee Wee football games, all of the gambling <laughs> that goes on. That. Now, we're talking that, about man. on little kids playing football. We're talking about serious gambling. Now we're not talking about 10 or $15. We're talking about guys laying down serious money and then the yeah. violence that would occur sometimes because of the, the amounts of the bets and, you know, people not wanting to pay and things like that. I mean, my gosh, dude, it's a, uh, but, you know, my, my thing about this, uh, listening to your conversation earlier is, you know, stuff like that kind of opens up the, uh, the, the, the box of worms to, to get things started. And, uh, and I, I think this high school thing that we're seeing now is a result of the mentality that prevails in those situations like that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think they had a starting point. We've just, we've just, everything's become so much about um, money and 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 winning is still important. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, that's you know, but it, for for some of these kids now, like you said, with some of these really uh, uh, ambitious parents, I mean, they start they start shaping these kids when they see and you know, like I said, if you if you if you're even at a a, 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 a youth coach, and you come across one of these special kids that are nine or ten years old, and you recognize that talent. Because sometimes you do. Even I'm sure a kid like Ryan Williams or Jalen Mbakwe, I'm sure they were different at nine or ten years old. People recognize that, and they already start taking an interest in these kids and grooming them and shaping them. And so obviously, uh, even though the kids are are you know probably good kids, I mean they they understand. Listen, this is. This is about you to some degree too. And now with, you know, with the NIL, I mean, we have what we have. I mean, we have, we have oh, open yeah. bidding, free agency for these players coming out of high school. And here's the thing about recruiting. You recruit, you recruit, you recruit. And you, you do all the things that you do to show the young man that you have an opportunity to benefit yourself as an individual, academically, athletically. And you have the kid committed. But who's to say the, the next, the signing day is not, um, until next Wednesday. Who's to say on December 19th that there's not someone that gets to that kid uh, and says, oh, yeah. hey, yeah. you know, here's, here's, here's a million dollars if you'll sign with us. And then the school that's had that kid committed for a year loses that kid. That's going to happen right. some. I mean, that's already happened in oh, Georgia yeah. with Rayola, the quarterback. Now, Well, I think it's already happened before. Yeah. I, I don't think that it would be if it happens, you know, here in the next year, two years, three years. It won't be the first time. It's happened way before then. And, uh, about I, you know, it may not have been a million dollars, and it may not have been money at all, but something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody got to somebody somewhere before it's happened but anyway all right gary thank you thank you tom good stuff 10:14 here on the gary harris show and uh this is the Krispy Kreme hotline for this hour. And, man, so excited to have uh, Evan Smith and the people over at Krispy Kreme on with us. A Tuscaloosa tradition since 1960, the Smith family has provided West Alabama with delicious donuts and hot coffee. People, of course, love the classic glazed donut. You know what I'm talking about. 
hot and fresh now. Uh, but I'm telling you what, they've got so much more. Specialty donuts this month. They've got a whole donut line built around the elf character in the movie, Will Ferrell's character. Uh, so be festive. Be in the holiday spirit. Get to Krispy Kreme. They also have options for fundraisers located at 1400 McFarland Boulevard West. Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. And you know Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. All right, we'll be back with more right after this on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTBC. Hey, Bama fans, there's nothing better than getting your favorite. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny weather continues today. Tuscaloosa's high at 60. Fair tonight below 39. Tomorrow and Friday, partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. Saturday, increasingly cloudy with a high at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten eighteen. Uh, welcome back into Gary Harris Show. Justin, have you seen the latest from Cam Newton? You know, sometimes guys just—they've uh, been in the spotlight. For a long time, he was a great player. Obviously, at one time, MVP, national champion, and for, you know, went Auburn to the national championship in 2010. Remarkable season. Uh, but now he's not on an NFL roster. Nobody wants him as a backup or third string or practice squad or anything. And yet he uh, came out and criticized Tua Tagovailoa, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott. Uh, who else did he throw in there uh, as game managers? Find that clip if you don't mind on Twitter, Justin. I want to play that, and, and you know, you folks can listen. And is this just sour grapes, or do you think this is a, um, you know, an honest evaluation? Um, yeah, it's all over Twitter. If you just type in uh, Cam Newton, um, if not, I just play it right here off my microphone. You got it. I'm seeing the reaction. I don't have Cam Newton's action. Yeah, if you go down far enough, you'll get to it. Um, let's see. Let me just. Okay, you got it. I want to play this. Uh, this is this is Cam Newton's evaluation of a lot of current quarterbacks, including former Bama star Tua Tagovailoa. But yeah, Dak Prescott, who's having an MVP type season. Brock Purdy, who's you know been phenomenal. Tua Tagovailoa, great, and Jared Goff, who is leading the Lions to a possible division championship. These are game managers. They are not difference makers. You got it ready to go, Justin? All right, here, here's Cam Newton. Hey, Lamar Jackson, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Brad Parity, like, but Brock, let's, they're not winning because of him. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing the game. And if we were to put that in its own right as game managers, Brock, Parity, Tua Tonga Valoa, Jared Goff, and really, Dak Prescott. Mm. These are game managers. They're, they're not difference makers. And when you say game manager, I'm not asking you to go out. And- uh, all right. Cut that. Yeah. Um, didn't realize that was 
was coming. But it's um, it is what he is saying about these quarterbacks. Um, and and first of all, I've said before, being a game manager is the first thing you have to be able to do to play the position. You have to be able to play the position and manage the game. That is not a bad thing. And uh, some of Cam's language is not, that's not cool either. But uh, let's uh, get to Philip out here on the First of Maine Condos Hotline. Hey, hey, Gary, how you doing, man? Hey, Philip. Hey, uh, I was uh, listening to your uh, comments a little while ago about Bart Starr and that, that first Super Bowl uh, between uh, Green Bay and, and Kansas City. And there's an odd little interesting fact about that game. Uh, two guys from my hometown, Lynette, Alabama, were in that first Super Bowl. Okay. Well, who are they? I mean, that's kind of, when you think about it on the grand scheme of thing, things, that's that's kind of unbelievable to be able to say, you know? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's a remarkable little town like that. Who were the two players that were from Lynette? Both of them played at Auburn, uh, David Hill and, uh, and, uh, David Hunt. Okay. That is something because that's, uh, that is not a big town. And to have, uh, two people from that town play in the first Super Bowl, that's remarkable, Philip. Oh, it is. It is. It's, uh, that's been a, <laughs> that's been a point of pride I've had for a long time. I said, Hey, that's a good, uh, cocktail party conversation. It really is. I didn't know that. In fact, I would wonder if since those two, if there's <laughs> there probably hasn't been anybody from Lynette that's that's played in the Super Bowl, maybe even played in the uh uh played in the NFL. Oh uh, yeah, um uh, Walter Landers played for Green Bay. He he played at Lynette High School back in the early seventies. He played for Green Bay for several years. Okay. He's a running back. Okay. And then of course and then it was just of course right down the street. You got uh, Lemansky Hall and, and John Copeland played at Valley High School. Yeah, they played at Valley, but yeah, that's the general area. And of course, they both played in the NFL. And Copeland was a, um, I think maybe the sixth overall pick in, in the '93 draft. But um, well, you know what? Because you you mentioned that about um, that Super Bowl, and and yeah, I I I, didn't, I I would not have been able to answer it, but I do remember Bobby Hunt. Don't remember him actually that much as a player, but and just following the mm-hmm. you know the history of football in this state, Bobby Hunt was a really good player. Um, obviously oh, Bobby, at, at all, but Hunt. I think he played yeah. um, he played a pretty long time in the NFL, didn't he, Philip? Uh, both those guys did. Um, uh, Mr. Hill died last year. He's he's deceased now. And I, I'm not sure about uh, Bobby Hunt. I think Bobby may be deceased as well, too. But um, uh, Bobby, yeah, uh, Hunt played a while, and and, uh, and Mr. Hill played a good while. Yeah, yeah I'm looking up. Yeah, I'm looking up Dave Hill. You're right. I'm not as familiar with him as I am with Bobby Hunt. But Dave Hill played all with the Chiefs. He played from '63 to '74. Yeah. So you're right. He had a long career. Um, when you think about those, and he was on those great. Uh, Chiefs teams. That's when the Chiefs, you know, that like, they were, you know, 60s into the early 70s. They were awesome. Yeah, you're right, man. Dave Hill's got an impressive resume. I'm looking at it now. Played 149 games with the yeah. Chiefs. The fourth most ever by Kansas City offensive lineman and was big for that day and age too. 6'5", 260 was, was, uh, was big back in then. How about that? Yeah, that's, that's, that is very, yeah, he, was, he was a big offensive lineman. 
And I'll tell you something that's kind of interesting. I met him. Um, you know, he used to come home during the summer and all the kids would, you know, go to see him and get his autograph and stuff like that. But, uh, back in the good old days. And, um, but he's a huge guy and he had a voice that was, um, uh, falsettos uh, real high, right? Yeah. And that he had a high voice like Michael Jackson. And that always was sort of interesting to me. <laughs> but, yeah, they were good players. Yeah, uh, really good players. Yeah, like I said, I'm reading more about them right now. Yeah. So that is, that's something I would have never thought about if you hadn't called in and brought it up and been from Lynette, that you had two guys from Lynette playing in that first Super Bowl. And um, right. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Hey, again, I was going to ask you, speaking of Lamaski, have you... Have you heard any rumblings about him joining the uh, the Alabama staff? You know, I, I, I really, all I saw, I saw something on one of those internet stories that somebody had speculated with Coleman Hutzer leaving to go to Mississippi State that, that Lemansky, you know, might be somebody they would look at. But I, that, outside of that, no. I mean, I know, you know, he was let go by Dabo at Clemson, and um, I'm sure that he's looking for another coaching opportunity. But, no, I haven't had, I don't have anything concrete in regards to um you know, Alabama and, and Lemansky Hall, but you know, you, you, you never know. Yeah. Well, Hey Jerry, I appreciate you taking my call, man. I hope you have a great day. All right. Thank you, Philip. All right. And I want to get back to the Cam Newton thing. Obviously we had to cut out of it. We didn't know that was, that was coming, but, uh, um, but for him to call people, uh, game managers and, and, you know, he's sitting at home. I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just seems, he sounds a little bitter to me, Justin. And, and it was a great player. We know that, but, um, uh, you know, it's just one of those, just one of those things. I think it's strange that game manager is looked at as derogatory. I know we talked a lot about it when Mac Jones was here, um, because he, he didn't do anything flashy, but isn't that exactly what you want from the quarterback? I think so. You I want them to be able to get the ball where it needs to go. Nick Saban likes to use the term, be a point guard and distribute. And if you're Brock Purdy and you're getting called a game manager and you're sitting there at top of the NFC, potentially going to a Super Bowl, everybody seems to think, uh, I'd take that. I'd take being called a game manager. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a uh, guy's guys different, no doubt about that. All right, it's uh, 1027. We're going to uh, get to the break here. We're going to come out with Tony Suklas from Tide Illustrated, part of the Bama Rivals Network, and uh, kind of look ahead to Alabama's practice preparations for the upcoming Rose Bowl um, semifinal game in the college football playoff. We'll do that next, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTBC. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty-one. welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. 29 minutes in front of the hour of... 11 o'clock, and we're going to get to Tony Suclis here in just a moment. Some news, though, that's uh, sad news if you're a football fan in this state. Bill Burgess, a great football coach, high school level for many years at Oxford High School, and then went to Jacksonville State, and he won a national championship uh, when JSU was Division Two as the head coach of the Gamecocks. And, of course, uh, his son, uh, Rick Burgess, is part of the uh, Rick and Bubba uh, syndicated radio show morning team, but uh, Coach Burgess passed away on uh, Wednesday at the age of 82 and um, 
was a terrific football coach. I remember him, knew him, knew him pretty well from when I, you know, um, started out in TV over there in Anniston and he was coaching at Oxford High School and, um, you know, covered his teams there and always physical. He played at Auburn and, um, coached at Woodlawn and then, uh, went to Oxford and, um, had some great teams there and then got hired at uh, Jacksonville State and won the Gulf South Conference Championship in 88, 89, 91, and 92, losing the national championship game twice before finally winning it uh, in 1992 with a victory over Pittsburgh State. As I said, uh, Bill Burgess was 82 years old. All right, we're going to get out on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Tony Suclis from Tide Illustrated, part of the uh, Rivals Network for Alabama. And uh, we're going to talk some Bama football. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Listen, uh, the players have enjoyed a nice little break after that SEC championship game and got to uh, do some, obviously, some conditioning, work on finals and all that, but get a little break from football. But it's going to crank back up this weekend, and now it's uh, games just keep getting bigger, as Gene Stallings used to say, and this is the biggest one of, of them all uh, because you got to win the college football playoff semifinal against Michigan at the Rose Bowl to get to the national championship game a week later in Houston. Uh, but for Alabama football, uh, getting cranked back up this weekend. Tony, what's the vibe you're getting from from uh, this team? And, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, you know, it's crazy you said that. I haven't looked back at the schedule, but just thinking about it when you said another big game, uh, when's the last time Alabama played back-to-back games against the number one team? Uh, usually been kind of kind of a rarity, if, if I had to guess. So uh, that, that's kind of an interesting quirk. But, yeah, um, I think it's going to be uh, – you know, it's exciting. I think we've had some uh, – you know, it's been kind of a lull. I mean, obviously there's been the transfer portal stuff, but I think uh, everyone's ready to get back into the the swing of game week. I think we've got a great matchup between Alabama and Georgia. I'm sorry, Alabama and Michigan. And um, in, in a classic venue like the Rose Bowl, um, it's going to be an exciting one. And I think it's a, I think it's a good matchup for Alabama. I do too. And since you brought it up, the, the matchup, why do you, why do you think that? What do you see, uh, from Michigan that gives you the, uh, impression that this is a nice matchup for the Tide? Look, I know that Auburn ran all over Alabama and I think that that kind of created some concern about Alabama's run defense. But personally, I don't think that's the blueprint to beat Alabama. I don't think you beat Alabama by running the ball against Alabama. Um, and I don't know if Georgia's going to be able to move the ball through the air. So if, if Alabama can make – I keep on saying Georgia. I'm sorry. I still got Georgia on my mind, I guess. Um, uh, no, if Michigan's going to be able to move the ball against Alabama. I mean, if you can make uh, the Wolverines a uh, one-dimensional offense, which they kind of have been in their big games, I think Alabama's going to be able to stop that. And I just don't really – I mean, nothing against J.J. McCarthy, but I just don't necessarily think he's the quarterback that's going to beat Alabama, especially when they have a month to prepare for him. Uh, I just – I like Alabama in this game. Um, and you know what? It kind of sounds crazy, but I think if you could have chose, if you allowed Alabama to choose which team it would rather face among the three other playoff teams, uh, I think they probably would have chose uh, Michigan. I think that you know that it, it just kind of, I think you the passing attacks of Texas and, and Washington. That that to me is a little bit scarier. So um, I just like this. I also like on the other side of the ball. Michigan's never faced anyone like Jalen Milrow, and I think that's going to be tough to prepare for. And he's just a tough guy to prepare for. How many people do you have on your practice squad that can run four four and six two two thirty? 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's just a hard thing to prepare for. They haven't seen anything like that. Not saying that Michigan defense can't handle that, but, I mean, that is a tough thing to prepare for. Um, and, you know, he can be a real game changer. And if he continues to play like he's been playing, I, I think, you know, that could also be the difference. Yeah, Milrow's a problem. There's no doubt about that for defend, for uh, uh, opposing defensive coordinators. And I'm with you on McCarthy. I, I think he's a good quarterback. Um you know, I don't feel like he's elite, and uh, Alabama needs to get after him. Hey, let's go back because you covered this team the whole season, obviously. And, um, you know, it's a week-to-week endeavor in, in sports now particularly. You can be great one week. If you play bad, the next week everybody throws you under the bus. But when Alabama lost that home game to Texas, made a lot of mistakes in the game, had two touchdowns called back, and then whatever it was that led to Jalen Milrow not playing against South Florida. They tried Buckner. He didn't play well. They came in with Ty Simpson. At least they won the game. But uh, coming out of that game, there was a feeling that uh, this team, you know, from a lot of people's mindset, the opinion was that Alabama was going to lose not just another game, but maybe three, four, five games. Uh, what did you think at that point in the season? Honestly, Tony, did you did you think this team would turn it around and win 11 in a row? I was unsure. There was so much uncertainty around that Texas game because you didn't really even know if Milrow was going to stay the quarterback. I mean, uh, there was just like Alabama didn't really settle its quarterback competition heading into the season. It didn't seem like Milrow was far and away the guy. So after that, you started wondering, okay, well, are they going to make a change or is he going to turn it around? And, you know, it's kind of tough to see them lose that. Yeah, Alabama doesn't usually lose the, the first hard game at play. So that was another weird thing to, you know, to kind of see on the schedule. And then, you know, I think the the real concern started popping up is how poorly they looked against South Florida. And mm-hmm. at that point, yeah, I thought maybe it is a 3-4 loss season because um, I projected them to lose to Ole Miss the following week. And I figured if, if that happens, you know, who knows what the, you know, mentality of this team would be. If they had lost another game, would they, you know, that they just packed it up? I mean, if, if you lose to Ole Miss right there, the season's over. In, in terms of what Alabama cares about, at least, you know. Yeah, no so, doubt about it. And it's just uh, again, Saban is, you know, when everybody else is playing checkers, he's playing chess. Just remarkable. So uh, since I brought him up, just uh, listen. I mean, he's proven time and again, you know, when, when, when we're criticizing him from the media standpoint, fans are criticizing him and national college football analysts are criticizing him. He usually has the last laugh and, and to get this team to where this team is at right now. Um, I hate when people ask this question, but I do a talk show, so I'm going to ask it, you know, rank his coaching jobs. But, uh, you know, when you look at some of the teams he's had, Tony, you knew from the first game they were good, right? I mean, they went out and they were dominant. This team, to go from where it was to where it's at now, um, just how do you how do you grade the coaching job done by Nick Saban? Yeah, it's obviously a good coaching job. Um, you know, I think part of it is it is hard to, to remain dominant in this era. Um, where there's more parity and more teams can address their needs to the transfer portal. So when you lose key players, at, you know, at the quarterback position, it, it, it's just it's harder. You know, I think it, it, you can't just – it is harder to be Nick Saban right now than it has ever been, you know, to be him. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know he's just able to adapt. I, I think it is one of his best uh, – you know, it depends on how you kind of – measure everything but yeah i think it is one of his best coaching jobs i I think it's probably one of his favorite coaching jobs gary when you look at the what nick saban wants in a team right it's i mean obviously he wants a talented team but i I don't think that's necessarily high on his list he wants players that buy in and that are going to do what they're told and improve and focus on 
just the the constant process and improvement. This that more than anything, this is what uh, this year's team does. Uh, you know, Jalen Milrose really bought into that. It seems like just everyone on the team is really bought into that. And you know, the the, the biggest. Uh, you know, I know I said I projected them to lose to Ole Miss. I think the worst prediction I had was if they lost that game that they would just shut down. I don't think that's in the DNA of this team. I, I think this team is probably the most mentally strong Alabama team we've seen in a while. Uh, and that's ultimately the, the number one reason why I think that they'll do well in the playoffs. You know, you look at some of these other teams that were far more talented than this one, and they kind of overlooked the playoff. I mean, you, you know, you saw that game where they got killed by Clemson in the national championship game, and, you know, there was reports that the team, you know, just wasn't as serious. I would be absolutely shocked if this team was even an ounce like that. I think that this team is just so mentally strong, uh, and it's, you know, the, all the adversity has come, it's overcome throughout the season in terms of so many closed games and everyone counting them out. I just think that they're in the right place. It kind of reminds me of, uh, what was it that, you know, the, the 2017 season where they, they snuck into the playoffs mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone thought that they were going to lose to, to Clemson and they just come out and they're a totally different team in the playoffs. This, you know, resurgence started a little bit before that. I think you would really mark it at the beginning of the month in November, but, um, I think that this team, you know, from a mental standpoint, that's the biggest thing, and uh, that's the biggest credit I think I'd give to Nick Saban. Yeah, I think it's a great assessment you just had, too. I, I think he loves coaching this team. I think the buy-in is there, and in this era of NIL and Portal, you don't get buy-in from all the teams, and I, I think that's what's really impressive about Alabama is, like you said, he kept this team together when there was a lot of noise and a lot of questions and a lot of people questioning him as a coach and some of the players that he was playing and and you're right they're on the same page they're going to they're going to be hard to handle um when we talk about the portal it, that's that's you know it's weird tony because you got a national signing day coming up next wednesday you got alabama about to start rose bowl preparations but yet it's portal season and even with you know, a team playing for a national championship potentially. You've got some guys going into into the portal. I mean, it's just something these coaches deal with. But for a team like Alabama, uh, you can't really focus on the portal, whether it's coming or going right now. Uh, is that a distraction at all, you think, for Alabama going forward? I think you got to keep an eye on it. I know it's not going to be your sole focus, but you'd be foolish to say that, you know, you're, you're just going to ignore it until after the playoffs. Uh I think that that's something that, you know, Nick Davis just has to balance. Any team's got to balance. It's just harder when you're in the playoffs. But, um, no, I think you do definitely have to look at that. Now them have some places that they definitely need to add. You know, I think that they'd want to add a, uh, an edge rusher of some sort, whether that's a defensive end or whether that's a, you know, a, a pass rusher. You're going to lose, uh, Justin Aboigby, Tim Smith. Uh, Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner. I mean, that's a lot to lose. You're going to want to replace that. I think also you're going to want something in the secondary. Geez, I mean, Caleb Downs, there's a good chance Caleb Downs is the only, you know, starting defensive back you return. Uh, so that's another thing that, you know, you're definitely going to have to look for. You can't just make address those mm-hmm. two areas at the last minute. I think if somebody comes up, you, you know, you've got to make a play at them. And uh, so that's something I definitely watch. Tony Suglis, Tide Illustrated with us here talking Bama football, getting ready to begin bowl preparations for the Rose Bowl College Football Playoff semifinal. Uh, Jalen Milrow, um, <laughs> you know, he, he's used that, uh, Jalen Hurts line. You know, I had a, I had a purpose before, you know, I had anything else and, you know, he's, he's been focused on him, but you could see the athletic ability. I mean, people forget against Middle Tennessee, he played almost a perfect game. He was phenomenal. And even in the Texas game, yeah, he made some plays for both teams, unfortunately, but, 
from him to go where he was with a lot of uh, fans and media just saying flat out, if you, this guy plays quarterback, Alabama's got no shot to fi- wind up finishing sixth in the Heisman balloting. Uh, and a guy now, like you said, that other defensive coordinators are looking at saying, how do you, how do you deal with this guy? Is it one of the better stories you've covered since you've been on the Bama beat? Definitely. I think that's just something that, you know, you get when you look at how Jalen Hurts, and it took him a while to develop. I think when you have a quarterback that's a little bit not as polished as a passer, you just got to be a little bit more patient. I think Alabama's had these guys come in like Tua Tungabailoa and Bryce Young, and they've just been able to. I mean, these are rarities. I mean, there's only a handful of kids, you know, over you know multiple years that can come in and, and make that kind of instant difference as a passer. And I think it's just, you just kind of take some patience. But I think the other thing you have to, you know, you got to credit Jalen. And then I think you also got to credit uh, Tommy Reese. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. that there's been a change in the game plan, getting Kendrick Law involved in the short passing, uh, opening up some looks for uh, Jalen, you know, kind of simplifying some things to allow him to build confidence. And I think you're going to see them start to open things up again once he builds up that confidence. But, you know, I, I think that it's a you know culmination of all of that. And it is. It's a good story. Because, uh, I, I mean, look, how many times do you have the, you know, what is it? You said six. Yeah, the six. Uh, Heisman voter get benched in week, you know, two of the season after week three of the season. I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, one thing about him too. I mean, he's still sometimes. You'll uh, make like like a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes, and and you know. Every now and then you'll say, well, he should have ran that one or, or, you know, he should have thrown that one or whatever. But uh, the one thing he seems to have, doesn't seem to have, he's got it. I mean, so, listen, it's fourth and go from the 31. He stood back there, surveyed the field, cool as a cucumber, made one of the great throws we've ever seen in college football history. But he's got the clutch gene, Tony. Same thing in the Georgia game. He wasn't perfect in that game. In fact, statistically, it wasn't a great game for him. But at the end of the first half, to lead him on that drive, and then after Georgia cuts it to three, um, he didn't give him the ball back. You know, first down, he goes for 30. He goes down. And he just, he has the ability to make plays when the game is on the line. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks, and you have too, that, you know, they're good uh, through the game. They're solid. You know, you get to the final two minutes of a game, they just, they melt down. That isn't the case with this guy. Yeah, and let's also bring up, I mean, there were points in against the Texas game where they were down and out, and he, he brought them back. I mean, look, Alabama mm-hmm. was the fourth quarter of that game, and that was what we're calling his worst performance, and it probably was his worst performance, you know? So, I, I think that, you know, he definitely does have that clutch gene. He's a he's a strong personality guy. He's a guy, look, he's a guy that, you know, was named team captain by his teammates, and I think that's for a reason. It's not just because he's a quarterback. He's a, he's a leader. He's calm. He's confident. He's, you know, humble. Uh, he's focused on improvement. And, yeah, I think that, um, you know, all, all that compared with, you know, combined with his athletic ability is, is you know, makes him the remarkable player that he is. Um and, you know, I'm expecting a lot from Jalen Milrow next year. I, I, I wrote a story this week about, you know, how he could be, you know, one of the favorites for the Heisman Award next year. And I, I truly believe that um, it, it's a different kind of Heisman contender. You know, we talk about him being the point guard, but really, um, yes, he can be that point guard, but he can also take over a game more than, you know, maybe any Alabama quarterback has just with his running ability. Um, and, uh, you know, it's nice to see him kind of use that running ability instead of being shy about it. I think at times, you know, maybe he was shy to run. Uh, I think you're starting to see him have more confidence and make better decisions. And when it is time to run, just take off and, and use that, you know, elite speed that he has. 
All right, you've already said you think it's a good matchup uh, for Alabama against Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Uh, if they win that one, then obviously they'll get either Houston uh, or either get Washington or Texas in Houston. If it's a Texas rematch, I don't even want to think about how big it's going to be. But right now, as we sit here on, on December 13, you think Alabama's going to win it all? I do. I think they're the best team in the playoff. I think uh, the hardest thing they have to do is get in. And uh, now that they get, they're in, I mean, I, I like them over Michigan. Uh, it's hard to beat a team twice. I think Texas would be the, the hardest of the, of the two or of the remaining possible matchups. But um, I think they've got a solid defense. As long as they, you know, get the continued production from Jalen Murray, continues to not turn the ball over. I think that they have the best side. I mean, it's tough. It's going to be a tough playoff field. It's, it's not, you know, a, a slam dunk. But I, I do. I would pick Alabama to win. And lastly, a popular topic for me over the last uh, week and a half has been just has been Nick Saban on the road, watching him work again on the recruiting trail. I've always thought he's as hard a worker as a head coach that I've ever seen in recruiting. And seventy-two years old, you know, there's you know the buzz is out there a little bit. Well, if he wins a national championship, he's going to stop and you know retire and all that. But if he's got any thoughts of retiring, you wouldn't know it based on the way he's working the recruiting trail, would you, Tony? No, no. I mean, he's done a solid job, and I expect him to do a solid job in, in, in the transfer portal as well. He's not showing the signs. I know, it, you know, it, there's things you could say that would make sense that would, this would be his last year. It would be a great year to end up on top, it, you know, if Alabama did win. But I, I've gotten no indication that Nick Saban's going to leave after this season. All right, Tony, great stuff. Um, let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, the site's tideillustrated.com, or you can go to Go to alabama.rivals.com. You can follow us at Tide Illustrated, or you can follow me at Tony underscore Sukala. Thanks, Tony. Yep, anytime. All right, 1049 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, I do want to mention to you that um, First Domain Condominiums has some vacancies right now. And also the station, uh, the townhome complex, the, the sister complex to First Domain Condominiums, both are right there in downtown historic North uh, Historic downtown Northport, uh, great place to live, man. I keep telling people it's like a little Hallmark Christmas card or Hallmark Christmas movie down there. So uh, find out more. You can find the station online. Also, First Domain Condominiums online. And to get them to uh, show you a tour, uh, First Domain Condominiums, three bedroom, three and a half bath, condos, 10-foot ceilings, modern appliances, washer and dryer, and then the uh, station are those four-bedroom townhomes that are incredible as well. Check them out. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the show. Got time to squeeze in another phone call on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. We're back after this. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients at Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny weather continues today. Tuscaloosa's high at 60. Fair tonight below 39. Tomorrow and Friday, partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. Saturday, increasingly cloudy with a high at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100. Point nine app. 10.53, welcome back into the program. Uh, final segment here on the Gary Harris Show for this Wednesday, December 13th. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVUA 23. Uh, as we are going to uh, be here all week on the show. And then uh, this is the time, Justin, when at the TV station, you know, a lot of my help is, you know, student, you know, employees and interns and they're all getting ready to go home so i'm going to be doing the sports this weekend on tv so no no weekend break for me this weekend but uh, that's okay yeah that's good again i mentioned this earlier uh bill burgess who led jacksonville state to a national championship 
1992, uh, has passed away at the age of 82. Of course, a uh, great football coach at the high school and college level and his son, Rick, uh, part of the syndicated radio Rick and Bubba morning show team and, uh, new coach Burgess and, and, um, just, um, terrific, um, terrific football coach. Just kind of, kind of old school, kind of a traditional football coach. And what I mean by that is just, uh, just, uh, you know, he, he, he looked like a football coach. Um, he taught like a, a football coach. I mean, you saw Bill Burgess and you knew he was a football coach. <laughs> that was, um, that was who he was. So, uh, he'll, he'll be missed. And, um, Again, Bill Burgess passing away at the age of, of 82. So we just talked with Tony Suclis about uh, Alabama football cranking up uh, preparations for the Rose Bowl, the college football playoff semifinal this weekend. Next week, we'll start getting some media availability. So we're looking forward to hearing from Coach Saban and the players. And now, Justin, listen, it, it's it's here. Um, you get the two-week break, and you earned it after the SEC championship game. Coaches have been focused on recruiting. Players focused on conditioning, final exams, getting a little break from football, getting healed up. But when you get into practice preparations, man, it, it, it's on. And now, as good as this season has been, you know how it is. Fans don't want it to come to an end at the Rose Bowl. Uh, there'll be a lot of disappointment if they don't win that game. Be a lot of disappointment they don't win the national championship. But as I said, you've earned the right to be in this position, but it is not going to be easy to finish it off. You've got to win two games now over two great teams, Michigan and either Texas or Washington. Yeah, I th- honestly, Gary, I think the Alabama fans and even on some of the shows on the station, I think we're glossing over Michigan. I think, like Tony was said uh, in the last segment, you're asking about the run game and, and how that's really Michigan's – a strong suit with that Blake Corum at running back who was potentially a Heisman candidate, I think, last year or, or even could have been this year or the year he had. It was so good. That's that's a weakness Alabama's shown. We saw it against Auburn. We saw it against, uh, I think, Tennessee ran on us a lot. It's going to be hard, and the team is more than capable of doing it. And like Coach says and, and uh, Christian Miller has been telling me, it's, it's kind of like its own season. So the season starts now, and – we're going to work our way into the the first game of this season being against Michigan coming up on the first. Yeah, and I'm I'm not and I'm not uh, glossing over Michigan. I'm with you. I think they're a really fine team. I mean, listen, they haven't played the toughest schedule, but they did beat Ohio State, who's a marquee program. They did win at Penn State. Uh, Iowa doesn't have an offense, but they still made it in the Big Ten championship game. They won that one. So I'm with you. I, you know, you don't get to be 13 and 0 in the Big Ten by accident. They're really really good. I do think right now. Um, Alabama's playing better football. I think it, what Alabama was able to do in that SEC championship game, I just think if, and again, they got to play each other. I get that. But if that's Michigan going into Atlanta and playing two weeks ago, it's Georgia. I think Georgia wins that game. I think so too. I, I'm curious, Gary, though, in the other matchup here, Washington and Texas. Who are you favoring in that? Man, I tell you what, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I, I tell you, Michael Penix is 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 special player. And Washington beat them last year in the Alamo Bowl. I think most people are going to pick Texas. I'm not ready to pick that game yet. In fact, I haven't picked either game yet. Um, but I, I think Washington showed me something against Oregon that second time. Because I was like everybody else. I thought Oregon was a better team. I thought Oregon should have won the first time. And I was like, Oregon's going to beat Washington. Uh-uh. Not that Washington just beat them. They made a statement. They handled them. So I'll just tell you this. A lot of people are just thinking automatically saying Texas. 
Washington is a good team, so we will see. All right, that's going to do it for the program. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. I want to thank um, both uh, Tony Sukulis and Joseph Hastings for joining us. Of course, thank you for listening. Uh, Miller's Edge is coming up at 11 a.m. with uh, Corey and Kristen Miller. Big Noon Sports, noon until 2 with uh, Matt and Lars. And then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game from 2 until 6. And uh, we'll be back in the morning with the Thursday edition of the Gary Harris Show. So for Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The Birmingham Race Course Casino.